0: Up quick at about noon. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Welcome into the Monday, May 11th edition of the podcast with Damien Barling, presented by Vibe Health Bar. But they got three locations in East Sacramento Oak Park and Folsom. You can also order uh, your favorite sandwiches, salads, superfood smoothies, acai bowls, organic cold press juices through your favorite delivery app. Check them out on Postmates, Grubhub, DoorDash, all of that good stuff that you've been using. Uh, during this pandemic, all this good stuff that you may have been using well before the pandemic. I wasn't a big f- food ordered delivery person. I hated because I'm I'm not cheap by any. But I'm I'm frugal. And I was like, oh, twelve dollars for delivery. Plus, ah, I just go get it myself. Like, it's no big deal. Um, but I have become much more of a much more of a food delivery person, though. I, I feel like during these last. what are we on like year four now? Give or or take. I feel like I've been cooking a lot more. Like I've made an effort to make sure like I've got enough food in my house to cook. Uh, It's usually laziness on my part that springs uh, ordering out. But I am deviating quickly here at the start of the show, man. We've got business to talk about again. Hope you had a great weekend. Appreciate you so much for tuning in. Appreciate you so much for allowing me to be a part of your day and Uh, What has become a Monday tradition uh, and that's going to come to an end, I guess, next Monday. Next Monday will be the last time we get to do it. But uh, we open up on, you know, what is the talk of the sports world each and every single week. And it's the two hours that we get to essentially uh, relive some of Michael Jordan's finest moments while uh, getting a look at um, Jordan in a way that, you know, I don't think we ever have before. And I said this last week, <laughs> I opened up last Monday's show saying, man, those two episodes, they they they, they were my favorite, and they were my favorite by far. Well, <laughs> I'm not too sure that last night's two episodes uh, weren't the best, uh, weren't my favorite. I, I don't know that they were my favorite. Um, I, I really liked, you know, last week's episodes, but this two-hour arc, this storytelling... By Jason and the team that have, has put this together, building this out into a you know a two hour block, the story arc of those two hours it was just flawless. Uh, opening up, and we all knew how it was going to open up. By the way, that last week ended, and we knew we were going to get to this point. And I realize a lot of people listening to this, you know, were weren't alive or were very very young, you know, in 1994, and they don't remember. You know they don't remember Michael Jordan's dad disappearing. They don't remember Michael Jordan's dad being murdered. They don't remember all of that stuff. And so some of you are are, are kind of a, you knew about it, but maybe you're experiencing this for the first time. And you know, it, you know, yesterday's episode was very much of you know it was moment after moment where and you heard uh, I, I think it was Andrea Kramer or or, or one of the reporters saying. You know, it was one of those, you know, where were you moments when, you know, when Jordan retired and then you get you the Jordan, I'm back. And like, I I can remember all of that so vividly. I remember hearing about Jordan's dad disappearing and thinking like, what a weird, what a weird story this is to put in the sports page. You know, we still, <laughs> my grandpa was getting the newspaper, which tells you how long ago this was like, he was getting, I'd read the newspaper every day with him and we'd talk about sports and be like, yeah. Hey, this is just a weird story. Like where's, where's Michael Jordan's dad? You know, I'm 13 at the time or something like that. So I'm a, you know, I can understand things like murder and stuff like that, but I'm still like, this is Michael Jordan. That stuff doesn't happen to him. And you know, the, the way that last week's ended, you knew how this was going to start and kind of knew how, you know, it, we were going to have to, we were going to confront our emotions. Those are of us who were old enough to live through that because we all know that how, you know, we all know how special Jordan's dad was to him. And and as we said last week, they had done a brilliant job of making sure that James Jordan was built into each episode in some sort of way. And they had done a, uh, you know, it's like a movie where, you know, their different story arcs culminate. And, you know, the Jordan's, father the story arc through the last dance culminated in the most tragic way it's not that we didn't know it was coming like we we knew it was coming uh, but still you know it, it hits you different and it was tough to it that was a that was a tough start to the show and to build and you know with the with the flashbacks and the jump forwards you know building 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 to the moment that uh, they won that championship on father's day again you know it, it it's not it doesn't get the it doesn't get the you know I'm back treatment it doesn't get the uh you know the retirement treatment like I remember watching the baseball game when Jordan when Jordan threw the pitch out in the in the denim the double denim like I I remember watching that game and and, and I re, I I remember vividly staring at the TV and getting the report that A news conference has been called, and Michael Jordan's going to (laughs) retire. I believe the the way he said is Michael Jordan's going to retire for forever. And I'm like, whoa, what? And I can I remember the press conference. I remember what the Sacramento Bee looked like if I look hard enough uh, here at my house. I'm pot. It said no more airtime. That was the headline in the Sacramento Bee. I'm positive if I look through some boxes, I still have. I still have the newspaper from that day. I'm, I'm positive. If I look hard enough. I still have the USA today, and probably even the Chicago Tribune uh, from that day. And it, I, I just remember it so clearly. I remember watching on WGN at my grandma's house. I remember watching the, you know, the the the, the press conference. But that game on Father's Day, I can't tell you anything about the game other than. Someone hands Jordan the ball, and everyone saw this last night. Like, I don't know what Randy Brown was doing. I don't know if Randy Brown was trying to hug Michael Jordan. I don't know if Randy Brown was trying to take the basketball from him. But, like, you know, Jordan wanted that ball. And I remember, like, I'll never forget the, 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 the clip of the locker room um, of him just face down in the locker room. Now, last night was the first time I had ever heard the audio of that. Which is just gut turning. Like, I remember the visual. I I, I remember the the cameras on. What was it NBC at the time? I remember them being in the locker room, but you know, Marv and you know, or, or whoever the announcers were at the time, they're they're talking over it. I I can't. I like that's the, the when hearing that audio for the first time was just oh my god. And then at that moment, you're thinking or. I am. I'm thinking, man, get the cameras out of there. Like, dude, let this man have like a moment. But that, the, the, again, the brilliant storytelling of the directors and the producers and everybody who put this together, the brilliant storytelling of, you know, one more examination of how Michael Jordan was just tired of all of this. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating. We're getting... You know, ten hours was it? Ten hours of TV time. I think I think the number I had heard was eight hours and forty six minutes. Like if you if you run straight, if you watch it on Netflix all the way through without you know all of the commercials and stuff like that. And we got, I think when I looked at my phone, it was about twenty eight minutes, maybe a little bit less. We got about twenty eight minutes of Jordan's dad passing. And I'm not saying that's too much, I'm not saying that's too little. Uh, what I'm saying is, if you go back and you, or or perhaps you remember off the top of your head, uh, when Jordan first starts talking about his dad, uh, he's he's very quick. He's very you know kind of to the point. He gives the necessary information. He does not describe in detail what happened. Uh, he, I think he, the term that he used is uh, he pulled over to the side of the road and then whatever you know. What happened happened and then and you know he I took it as he couldn't bring himself to say it. And the most glaring part of that for me is is you is you try to, you know, because all of this is about all this is about like taking in greatness. Like that's what this documentary is about. Like we're fascinated by what makes people great. And 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 Michael Jordan is is arguably the greatest to do do what he's done ever whether it's professional basketball or it's be a professional athlete there are people who will make arguments he's the greatest at both of them to ever do it there are people that were uh, argue he is you know the greatest uh, the pitchman in the history of professional sports whatever it is we're enamored with greatness we pay to read books by people who are great we pay to go to seminars from people who are great because we want a glimpse into their greatness, and and what this has been is a eight and a half, you know, eight and three quarters hour look into the greatness of what Michael Jordan is. And the thing that stands out to me the most about the scene regarding his his father, or the or the the stretch of time regarding his father, is his almost, you know, def- I don't want to say defiant, like unwillingness to talk about it or to talk about it in detail. Again, I'm not saying they didn't spend enough time on it or they spent too much time on it. What what I'm trying to say is he doesn't let negative things define him. He will not let, you know, whether it's his father's death, whether it's, um, you know, some losing to the Pistons, I don't know, whether it's some moment on the basketball floor. and And, and that's kind of what we're... We're saying we knew of Michael Jordan's competitive, competitiveness that became clear to us uh, at the Hall of Fame. Uh, a glimpse into this version of Michael Jordan became, became uh, you know, clear to us at the, at the Hall of Fame several, several years ago. And, you know, now we're getting, now we're, now we're hearing for the first time other people, you know, talk about Michael Jordan. You, you heard uh, Jed Bushler talk about, it. yeah, Michael, Michael's not a nice guy. You, you heard it from, you know, a number of his former teammates, like he was going to get the best out of you. And of all of the scenes that, again, I thought yesterday's episode was as perfect of a television show that may have ever been written it's super hyperbole, but this is sports. That's what we do. Like it's okay to, to be hyperbolic here in this situation, but that was hyperbole, you know, that on my part, that's hyperbole at its finest. But that episode was as good of a television show as I've ever seen in terms of the arc, in terms of the story, in terms of the way that it was written, how it started, and how it finished. And it you could argue it hits this totally unexpected peak right in the middle, right at the hour change, right at the end of the First episode, I guessed last night, you get you get a moment that I absolutely did not expect. Look, I don't have to do this. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way. Great. Yo, who who saw that coming like who who saw Jordan getting emotional in this you know in this uh, 10 hour documentary who saw Jordan get a, getting emotional having to defend the way that he is and I and I recall and I think we talked about it here on the podcast I recall a moment in the you know the lead in uh, like it, it, as Jordan was doing press leading into the first week of episodes. And I remember him either saying, I don't remember him telling a writer or was putting out a press release of something where it's like that, you know, this, I don't know that this particularly paints me as a good individual. Like it kind of paints me as an asshole. This, I just signed up to do a documentary that makes me look like an asshole. And I, you know, you, you go back and you look at that moment and he's being asked to defend the way that he talks to teammates. I don't think we had gotten to the point where he had described, uh, the fight with Steve Kerr, but you, the, 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 again, brilliant storytelling. The seeds have been planted. The relationship with his teammates, the demand that he has of his teammates, culminated with the story of of Steve Kerr, uh, and it you you know you hear Jordan talk about that, and he you know he uses a line that's that's going to be you know quoted forever, and it's you know something along the lines of well you're that way because you've never won anything like you you don't you don't want to be great because you you've never won anything before and it's there's this oh, man there were a lot of whoa moments last night and if you missed last night's episode for 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 whatever reason you or or maybe this is you're you're one of the few people in the sports world who just aren't particularly in you know to this documentary or you're not buying it you've got to go watch last night's two episodes and you've got, you have to watch them together. Episodes seven and eight were meant to be watched together. They were meant to be watched uh, one after another. That should be one episode uh, because, and I know we're in the you know binge watching you know era of time where, well, you've got to wait till next week to pay off a storyline. You got to wait till next week to pay off a storyline, man. That, I would have hated to have waited a week. For that story to have paid off like that. Again, I felt like those two episodes were were meant to be played uh, back to back. Um, A couple of other notes uh, from this this week's episode, um, this week's episodes, I guess, Uh, baseball. I, I don't think there's really a lot to take away from baseball other than I remember the Sports Illustrated cover. I never knew that Michael Jordan didn't speak to Sports Illustrated again after that. Like Michael Jordan never spoke to Sports Illustrated after they said he was embarrassing baseball. The one thing I did think about that I had to look up and in hindsight, it cracks me up. Sports Illustrated posted that, that, you know, bag it Michael or bag it in Michael or whatever it said, but it said Michael Jordan is embarrassing baseball. And then the strike happened. (laughs) Like the strike was right after that. And baseball essentially died. It died for four years until two Androcene pumped up individuals who get their own 30 for 30 coming up here uh, in a couple of weeks revived it. And it's like Jordan. I saw someone tweet. Uh, you know, baseball writers are different. Like, you've got the greatest, most recognizable professional athlete ever coming in and playing your sport. Not only is he playing, like, don't ever think that Jordan failed at playing baseball. Like, Jordan played well. Jordan hadn't played in 14 years. And if you want to argue that, you know, Michael Jordan got an opportunity that no one else got, like, that's, it's a lame argument because he's Michael Jordan. And, yeah, he, uh, a lot of people in Michael Jordan's, Shoes are going to get opportunities that you and I aren't going to get. And maybe you could walk onto a double A baseball field or a triple A baseball field and hit, you know, 200, 300, whatever bat in 50 runs, whatever it may be. But to think that people were actually writing that Jordan was an embarrassment to baseball. In a, in a, in a, in a, in a vacuum, that's absurd. In the landscape, it's like, y'all went on strike like months later and didn't recover until your biggest scandal became public. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and ride with Michael Jordan. Let's 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 go ahead and, and, and ride with with Michael Jordan being an embarrassment. Come on, man. Now, his competitiveness uh, was a big focus. The Le Bradford Smith story. So this is hilarious. I had heard some version of the Le Bradford Smith story. But what I never knew until last night was that the, that it wasn't real. Well, or the, the story's real, but that the, uh, Hey, what was it? Good game Mike or whatever that was like, I never knew that that was fake. I had heard, I had heard that story almost in its entirety before, but I had never, ever heard the part where I think it was, I think it was Mike Wilbon acknowledged. Yeah. That story's not real. Uh, Bradford Smith never said anything to him. Jordan was just, he was trying to find a way to motivate himself against a rookie. That's wild. It's, but it's the glimpse that we wanted, right? It's the, it's the look in to a competitive individual. It's a look into one of the most, if not the most competitive individual uh, that we've ever seen or that we've ever known. Amazing. The Le Bradford Smith story was cracking me up, uh, but a, a great two hours of, of of episodes, a great last four hours of episodes. Um, this documentary has done a, a, a really good job. I really didn't. I wasn't sure the direction they were going when it started in that. You know, I had heard Jason Hare tell Dan Patrick a couple of times. Yeah, this this is it's it's a it's a. It's a documentary that focuses on, you know, the 1990s Chicago Bulls, but but Michael Jordan is obviously a central figure in it. And when they had, you know, when they had a, you know, an episode devoted to Dennis Rodman, which, you know, it, it, the only reason it felt unnecessary was because they just did a 30 for 30 on him recently. And it's kind of like, okay, we just spent 45 minutes recapping Dennis and I think a lot of us, and even if you're just playing the numbers, you know what I mean? Even if you're just playing, okay, who watching this documentary knows Dennis Rodman? It's tough when you're dealing with a you know a fan base who probably just saw, it's not like it's, we're experiencing Dennis Rodman for the first time in this generation. Like they just had the 30 for 30. It felt like a couple months ago. And when they showed that episode, I was like, okay, I, I assume maybe this means we're going to get one on we're going to get one on Scotty. I thought we were moving towards the, you know, oh man, did Scotty look bad last night. Holy crap. Like it, the 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 moment where uh, he doesn't go into the game uh, against the was it the Knicks? I just remember it was the Tony Cuco shot. I don't remember if it was against the Knicks. It was against the Knicks. They were down 2-0. Ooh, that was bad. That was rough. I f- I actually felt I actually felt bad for Scotty in that moment because I was like, he's going to get, he is going to get eviscerated for this all over again. And I think, I think it was Jordan who said, uh, you know, he called, uh, was it Phil and said, yeah, he's never, he's not going to be able to live this down. Like, this is going to live with him forever. And to Jordan's credit, like, he tried to, you know, that's not Pip. Like, that's not him. That's not the way that he thinks. That's not the way that he operates. Oh, that was a tough. Right in that moment, man, I cringed. I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be a rough, rough Monday for Scotty." I felt like Scotty's Scotty hasn't been painted particularly well uh, in this in this documentary. Uh, between that, um, I, I think they, I thought they framed the migraine a little weird. Uh, I think they. You go back to the migraine episode, or it wasn't the migraine episode, but it was the you know, where they're facing the Detroit Pistons and, and that game seven migraine is obviously a huge part of of the story of that. I I don't think they insinuated anything. I just thought they framed it weird. I th- and and you know Mike was kind of like, no, eh, you know you know you have a headache you have a headache or you have a migraine or or whatever the like tur- he was like dismissive of it so you've got that and there's just a and you know the contract asking for a trade like Scotty has not been painted in the the prettiest light here uh during this documentary um, but i didn't i didn't know where they were going like i thought we were going to get like a after the Rodman episode we got like a kind of a mini Phil Jackson episode I was like, okay, is that how this is gonna work? Like, are we gonna get like an episode on like Horace Grant or 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 Bill Wellington or something? Like, I'm not sure where this is going. But I'm not I'm not entirely feeling it. And I think since then, I I would argue that the last four hours, if you were gonna do a documentary that was solely on Michael Jordan, this it it would be the last four hours. The last four hours have been 100 percent on Mike, which is what I wanted. Like, that's a, I, I'm certainly not speaking for anybody else a documentary on the 1990 Bulls is is fascinating absolutely it's fascinating because Michael Jordan's on the team you know a documentary into the you know into you know a, a, the 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 3 year stretch of the the Cleveland Cavaliers or the 4 year stretch of the Cleveland Cavaliers where they went to the to the NBA finals they won their first championship in Cleveland LeBron comes back from Miami that's that's that that, that could make for you know fascinating television given all of the subtweeting and subtexting but if LeBron's not involved then it's like oh well I don't. This doesn't matter. This doesn't matter at all. Uh, but I, I I love this, and obviously it's going to come to an end. I don't know why I keep saying obviously it's going to come to an end next week uh, with episodes number nine and number ten, and then what? Wait, 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 what are we watching? Like I, I guess we're on to with the Lance Armstrong documentaries. I guess we're on to uh, Sammy Sosha and and Mark McGuire. We got uh, Bruce Lee thirty for thirty coming up. I don't, if, if ESPN is smart, I think what you do is you you chill for a minute. like you let it breathe. I don't know when their next 30 for 30s are scheduled, but I know they shouldn't be scheduled two weeks from last night. <laughs> you, you should kind of like let that let, let let that first Sunday without without the last dance breathe a little bit. Maybe let it breathe for a couple of weeks, let people get you know yearning for content because anything that if you're following the last dance, you know, immediately a week later where it's just like, oh, it's Sunday night programming on ESPN. We're throwing in our next 30 for 30. It's only going to be compared to one thing now. It's going to be compared to The Last Stand. So I'm sure those other three documentaries are great. Let this one breathe a little bit. I think you could air those three, one after the other, after the other. But I think we now have a, a gold standard Of documentaries on the gold standard of athletes we have the you know the gold standard 30 for 30 here because we have the perfect topic and I don't know that there's a more intriguing topic than Michael Jordan for for 10 hours like is there another individual in sports is there another individual outside of sports that you would want covered for eight hours and 46 minutes I know that WWE is attempting to, uh, you know, have that same type of build with uh, we had the last dance. The WWE has the last ride uh, with The Undertaker. That's a they debuted episode number one of that documentary last night. And it was I I think my issue with The Last Ride is I don't know exactly what it is like. It was framed as uh, cameras started following him in the days leading up to his match with Roman Reigns. Uh, insinuating uh, you know because the thought was that was the match that he put the he left the gloves and the hat and the jacket in the ring and you know that was going to be it and it was like okay it works well that was just one episode so I don't know if the idea was we're just good I don't know if the original idea for the last ride was that one episode that we saw last night and they just decided oh well he came back again Uh, he's going to Saudi Arabia well he did the thing with John Cena well he did the uh uh, the boneyard match so well we'll just keep following him that's what we'll do we'll just keep having the cameras follow him and i thought it was funny i was watching money in the bank last night and we'll get to that in, in, in a little bit there are other things to talk about but i thought it was funny that they kept saying I'm immediately following money in the bank the debut of the last ride the first episode of the last ride you guys love sports documentaries right now you're gonna love this dude i woke up and watched the last ride <laughs> Like they they acted like this, like because it was a on the feed that like this was the world premiere. I watched that Joker on demand at like eight o'clock in the morning. I knew it was coming out. I couldn't wait to watch it. And it, and it and it was good. I could have done without you know the Blue Lives Matter T shirt that that the Undertaker wore during the whole during the whole interview. I could have done without that because I was trying to figure out what it was. I was like, what is he? That's not what I think it is. Like it's a Texas outline. What is that? And I'm like, oh, he really is like. And the, the 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 shocking part of it to me, I guess it's not. It's not shocking. No one in the WWE thought, ah, you know, just in case, why don't we try something less? I don't know, polarizing. Why don't we try something else? Uh, I don't think anyone's going to tell the Undertaker to change shirts. But uh, overall, I thought that I thought the first episode of the Last Ride was good. Um, you know, trying not to compare it to the last, day. it was not a look into the Undertaker unlike we've we've ever had before. Uh, it just culminated at WrestleMania with the match with Roman Reigns. So I don't I don't really know what their I don't I don't know what this series is. I don't feel like there's a big story arc in this series. I think it's just a, I think they stumbled across something when the Undertaker decided he wasn't going to retire when they you know threw a whole bunch of money at him for him to come back to the. You know, to the Saudi Arabia shows. So I, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know what the story of this documentary is going to be, and I don't have an indication after watching the first episode either. But the first episode, like in a nutshell, by itself, I very much enjoyed. Um, we'll talk more about the last ride. We'll talk a little bit about Money in the Bank later. Of course, I have a uh, wrestling edition of the podcast debuting on Patreon tomorrow. So if you uh, want exclusive access to that. Go to patreon.com slash Damien Barling. You can also get the very first episode of Relive featuring Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock at WrestleMania 17. That is available right now for all Patreon users. Again, patreon.com slash Damien Barling. Or go to damienbarling.com and hit the orange Become a Patreon button in the upper left-hand corner. Um, I see that Jerry Stiller passed away. Uh, Ben Stiller's dad, famous for his role uh, in Seinfeld. Man, that was a... Bad weekend, uh, bad weekend. Once you include, I, I, I guess three's the number, right? That's what they always say. Death comes in threes, and uh, Jerry Stiller passing away, whether it was late last night or this morning. You know, we had, the, you know, the music world was just, you know, stunned yesterday with the, uh, or, or, or stunned over the weekend with the loss of uh, Andre Harrell. If you're not familiar with Andre Harrell, he was, you know, driving force behind Uptown Records jodeci uh you know he helped set off things with mary j blige he threw a he threw a a a label uh at a young dude named sean combs and bad boy got started like he is instrumental extremely instrumental in the 90s uh new jack swing r&b sound Uh, or actually i would say that's probably more coming out of the new jack swing and going into you know the version of R&B that included Mary J. and and Jodeci, the one that had a, a a little bit stronger of an edge. It had a little bit stronger, you know, of a of a hip hop edge. Man, fifty nine years old, uh, and he passed away. Uh, little Richard passed away yesterday as well. Um, you know, I you know even yeah, you know, I'm not going to pretend like uh, Little Richard wasn't well, 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 uh, before my time. But I absolutely knew who Little Richard was. He's obviously you know extremely flamboyant and I think if you take a shot every time I say the word obviously uh, we'll all be lit here very very early this morning it's just sometimes I get hung up like I can hear myself saying saying words like I can hear myself saying the same word over and over and over again and I feel like that's what I've done with obviously this morning I've just said that same word over and over and over again Um, but very familiar with little Richard very very flamboyant personality I'm actually working on an episode of Relive that centers around WrestleMania 10, so I had just watched WrestleMania 10 and Little Richard uh, sang the the national anthem for that show, and then uh, you know Spike Lee drops the uh, the commercial uh, that they did together uh, for Jordan and when he's in the Mars ba- Blackman character. So uh, combine that with Jerry Stiller here this morning, man. That's just a. Bad, 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 bad couple of days for uh, iconic personalities uh, passing away. Andre Harrell's, believe me, I, Andre Harrell's very much an iconic personality, just uh, much more of a uh, behind-the-scenes iconic personality. Uh, shifting back here to sports and some of the... Uh, Phillip Rivers, this is fun, I guess. Um, Philip Rivers, he, he's taken a job as the head coach at St. Michael Catholic High School uh, in Alabama. He's going to coach high school football in Alabama when he's done playing football in Indianapolis after spending uh, forever in San Diego. I don't know. (laughs) I guess this answers our question or maybe it wasn't our question. Maybe I, I, it was easy for everybody else to figure out and just difficult for me to figure out is maybe this answers the question of why a one year deal was done. Maybe he's just ready to go be a high school football coach. It's like, Hey man, it's, it's cool. He wrote, uh, or, or he said, it's a, it's a special day for me and my family. Really? I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a little emotional. I've had two childhood dreams. One was to play in the NFL and I've been able to do that now, going into my 17th season, and I still love that. The other is to be a high school football coach, as my dad did. How blessed am I to be able to living, uh, be able to live out both of those, uh, one uh, on the tail end and one in the beginning stages. Okay, good for Philip Rivers. Uh, we'll stick with the NFL here in just a minute before we get to Adam Silver, before we get to the NBA and their workouts, and before we get to everything. Uh, that went on this weekend. Uh, quick follow up on the Brett Favre story from last week. It seems to it, it. There's obviously a lot to this Brett Favre story that 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 we don't know about. Uh, e- Brett Favre spoke to ESPN, ESPN Wisconsin, and um, this is a story that appears to be significantly bigger uh, than Brett Favre. But he you know, addressed to say that I took $1.1 million and didn't show up for speaking engagements is absolutely 100% uh, not true. Uh, we're paying it back. They've already given uh, $500,000 back. They're paying uh, the other $600,000 back uh, in installments. He goes on to say, I don't think the investigation is over. I unknowingly, unknowingly am caught not so much in the middle because there's a lot more to this investigation that has nothing to do with me. Uh, when you are paid by your employer, do you ask them where the money comes from? That's the same thing for me. I don't ask CopperFit or Wrangler or Nike or any other product that I've endorsed. I don't ask them where the money comes from. That's ridiculous. And I've already paid a portion of it back. So it started, we had mentioned this last week, these payments were uncovered in an audit of the Mississippi welfare system. And and this is where I just, I can't tie this all together uh, it showed funds from the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families program were funneled through the Mississippi Community, Community Education Center. The audit said that Brett Favre was paid for two appearances, and there was no evidence uh, that he made either of those appearances. Favre said in the same interview that he thought the money was for commercials. What I I can't figure where does Brett Favre tie into this? Like how I've got a like how was he? in this like what did he think the com- like commercials for what and why is this money being funneled to him if he didn't if if he didn't make these appearances if he didn't do these autograph signings if he like why, why is he making an appearance for him or, or, or why is he even wrapped up in this I, I don't I don't get it this story is this story is really weird because I, I just don't, I, I've tried to, and maybe I missed an article. I'm just trying to figure out how Brett Favre is even, like, in, involved in this. Like, how would money from, uh, you know, the Mississippi Community Education, how would any of this wind up in his bank account? E- even by mistake, like, how is he tied into this at all? So I, I, I wanted to bring uh, that up. Uh, there's been discussion Uh, about teams not playing in California. We've heard the mayor of Los Angeles, uh, let me rephrase it, there have been discussions about NFL teams, there have been discussion about professional sports teams uh, not playing uh, in the state of California through the remainder of the 2020 calendar year. That mostly has to do with live crowds, and I think we're all under the belief that, for the most part, sports aren't going to be taking place in front of live crowds through the remainder of, um, the, certainly this season, if baseball or basketball comes back, and, and I don't think they're going to be there for football as well, certainly not a 60,000, uh, 70,000-person stadium. However, there has been talks that states with, you know, a, a, a lower COVID-19 rate, um, more laxed stay-at-home restrictions or no stay-at-home restrictions at all could potentially host games with modified crowds. And if that's the case, there has been uh, speculation that perhaps the 49ers uh, could share a stadium with the Cardinals in Arizona. There has been discussion that perhaps uh, the chargers uh, could share a stadium with uh, the Raiders and that the Rams could potentially share a stadium with the Dallas Cowboys. I think uh, uh, internet sleuths were studying the schedules of all and realized that not only could Las Vegas share with both uh, the Chargers, they could share with the Rams as well. They could share with both Los Angeles teams. With very little conflict, there were a few in which a game time would have to be changed. There were a few in which um, uh, uh, a... um, game would probably have to be moved to like a Monday, but it, it's, it, I came across this on Pro Football Talk, and, and those are areas, Arizona, uh, Denver, Nevada, those uh, those are states, Colorado's a state, not Denver, but those are states that are potentially looking at having some version of of a modified crowd uh, in their stadiums at some point in this calendar year, so I, I'm just putting it out there. I read it. I wanted to share it with you. I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what to do with it. But I thought it was worth. Uh, I thought it was worth sharing. Uh, let's move on to the NBA. The Portland Trailblazers. Uh, actually, before we move on to the NBA, let me remind you: uh, skynaturalcbd.com. Our promo code in the game. Uh, is still live. They still got a ton of great sales going on. Uh, if you've ever wanted to try CBD, if you've got some aches and pains uh, doing all of these at-home workouts, maybe your workout is pounding the pavement, uh, getting uh, getting some road work in, getting a nice little run in and your, your knees aren't reacting very well. Maybe your thighs hurt a little bit. This uh, Sky Natural CBD bomb is great for you. Uh, there are hemp oil tinctures Uh, that are absolutely fantastic. They've got treats for your dogs as well. They've got melatonin with CBD in it. Whatever you're looking for, Sky Naturals has got it for you. Go to skynaturalscbd.com and use the promo code in the game. Uh, The Portland Trailblazers, they opened their doors for individual workouts on Friday, and nine of the 11 players currently in market, uh, they rotated court time according to Adrian Roganowski. Uh, Kevin Love showed up at the Cleveland Cavaliers practice facility uh, and got a little workout in. He said it was weird. Uh, Love actually gave a really great description of of what kind of everything looked like for him on Friday. Uh, he brought a pair of sneakers from home and the team uh, provided practice gear and a bag to change into. Uh, they gave him two basketballs that were just for him. Uh, no one else gets to use them but him. And um, Kevin Love said, you know, as soon as it was done, I just kind of put everything down. I threw off my clothes. Threw off my practice gear, put it back in the bag, threw on the clothes that I had, and and left like I didn't shower, I didn't do anything. I just like nothing about what we did, or nothing about what I did during this workout was normal. It was very, um, I think the term, I think he was just like it was really weird. Uh, players are restricted to only the practice court, uh, the weight room, and the training facility. So you know, just mentioned the the showers. Uh, we're off limits. Offices are off limits. General managers can't be there. Head coaches are not supposed to be there. Um, and I believe that the Golden 1 Center is opening up today. I believe that the Golden 1 Center is opening up in terms of its uh, its practice facility for the Sacramento Kings players that are in market. So we should have an update tomorrow on who, if anybody went in and got in individual workouts. There was a a call with Adam Silver, uh, players, and Michelle Roberts about, you know, kind of the direction of the season and, and where we may be going and different things like that. And, you know, one of the, I, I thought Chris Paul uh, asked a great question in that, or I don't even know that it was a question. He made a remark that, you know, I don't want players to feel pressured into coming in and getting these individual workouts in and because this is this is hundred percent voluntary this is just creating a space for them this is not this is not the first step in the nba returning it is not it's good that the facilities are open it's good for players who are in market to have a place to work out But this has nothing to do with the return of the NBA. And Adam Silver kind of confirmed what we speculated on a little bit over the course of the last few weeks. And that um, they're not going to have a decision on what to do this season, this month. Uh, We have speculated that the drop date for the NBA in terms of here is our plan. Here is how we are going to implement it. And here's how we're moving forward. We speculated that that drop date was probably the middle of next month if you you know if you if you throw a dart and it lands right in the middle of June i think that's where it is like somewhere around June 15th or something like that another thing that i don't want to say it became clear uh, but we're we're starting to sense what the new reality of the nba is going to be at least for the short term you know they discussed not playing in front of fans um, which is i think something everybody has Maybe mentally put them, you know, started to prepare themselves for is that they could be playing in empty gyms. They might not even be playing in their home arenas anymore. They could be playing just in you know random locations. They did discuss the bubble playoffs, if you will, uh, that could potentially take place in Las Vegas and or Orlando. Adam Silver said specifically one thing that we were absolutely not going to do is we're not going to fly all over the place for a seven game series, especially when fans can't be a part of it. There's just there's there's just no reason for that. Uh, there's a lot of things we've got to work out in terms of this bubble plan, but uh, we, that is a uh, very much a, a possibility for us. Uh, another thing that they discussed is the salary cap is going to be lowered. It's going to have to be lowered. Uh, we should know what that number is uh, in the upcoming weeks. And, you know guy this this will affect guys and we don't know to the degree we'll we'll have to you know we'll, we're all going to find out together but you know Anthony Davis is a free agent this year he was expecting to sign you know another big money deal He's certainly he's going to sign the biggest money deal possible it's just not going to be the deal that he thought it was uh any player who is a free agent this year uh is not going to be able to uh, uh uh get the deal that they thought they were going to and i don't know you know the, the the collective all of these all of these things have to be and Adam Silver acknowledged this too. And he, all of these things have to be collectively bargained. You know this isn't a dictatorship like the NFL is, where the NFL decides, well, we're going to cut your salary by twenty percent, and they just cut it. Like these things have to be collectively bargained, and they're, and they're and they're going to do it. And with no fans, with the salary cap being lowered. And with no definitive date for a return to the season, the other thing that was talked about, and this 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 appears to very much be a, a new reality here, not just for the upcoming years, but perhaps moving forward. Period is it looks like the new basketball season is going to start in December, and as these guys, you know, if if we get you know the bubble playoffs, if we're able to get, and oh, what was the other thing they talked about? Uh, a, a, a tournament. I think it's dumb. I don't think they should do it. I think they should have the top eight seeds. But I was able to get clarification as they because I must have read this completely wrong because I thought a play-in tournament was absolutely insane. But it would be through it would be for seven through ten, so the seeds that are seven, eight, nine, and ten would have an opportunity to kind of play themselves into the tournament. That would I think that would include the Kings because it would be uh, I don't remember who seven is, but it would be Memphis. I think it would be Portland and Sacramento, right? 8 9 and 10. I don't know where San Antonio fit into all of that, but I feel like it was or, or not San Antonio, um New Orleans. Uh, I I still don't like the idea. Uh, Adam Silver said they're still going to try to go with the seven game series if they're able to do this like this is this is these are all of the things that they're working on and if they have to make adjustments, they'll make adjustments as they you know, get closer and closer to a day, because at some point, they're not going to be able to stall anymore. At some point, they're going to announce something. They're going to have to announce something. And I think the fact that they have put this off, potentially, you know, another entire month, maybe even, you know, we're at, well, we're at the 11th right now. So i say they've put it off another month. I think that is, you know, the clearest indication that not only is next season uh, starting in December, but most people in the NBA believe that the new NBA season will be December until August instead of October until June. We will literally be going straight from basketball, straight from the NBA Finals, and we'll be in preseason football. Uh, We'll be in hard knocks. We'll be ready for the cutdowns, and we'll likely be just a matter of weeks away before uh, week one of the NFL season obviously this eliminates summer league and 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 the california classic and i don't know if now suddenly it's it's the winter league uh you know i don't i, I don't or the fall league like i'm not really sure how all of that is going to work but it looks like some major 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 adjustments to the nba calendar and the nba schedule are on the way i appreciate you uh as always for tuning in, Uh, I appreciate you as always for making me a part of your day. Again, head over to patreon.com. Already got some stuff on tap uh, for tomorrow that I just uh, held off on today because I knew we were gonna talk a lot about uh, the last last dance and, and some of the NBA news. Uh, as well but I've already got some stuff on tab tomorrow including uh, what Steven Jones had to say about Dak Prescott and his contract negotiations uh, as well as the Brooklyn Nets making a definitive remark about Kevin Durant and his potential return to the NBA season I, 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 was, I was bugging out when I saw that Karen Durant was tweeting on or was trending on Twitter last night Karen Durant I, when I clicked on I was like, I don't know what to expect here I'm very, I'm very, very nervous that Karen Durant is trending, uh, but it's, it's funny. It, it, it was worth clicking on. If you didn't see that last night, uh, go check it out. Um, oh, I didn't talk about money in the bank here. I, I know I said I was going to talk about money in the bank on the, on the wrestling podcast tomorrow on Patreon. And I will, but I do want to throw some thoughts out before uh, we wrap up here real quick. I thought uh, I, for, for the most part, I liked it. One, I didn't know that I, I, I guess I missed the memo that pay-per-views start earlier now. And I started watching around five because that's, I, I thought that's when it started. Uh, and I think Sasha and no, it wasn't, it was Bailey, Bailey and Tamia were in the ring. And so after that, it was like one meaningful match after another. Like we've, I thought the Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre match was really, really good. And I think Rollins is doing his best work right now. Uh, he was a, he was a good heel before. He was a great heel before, but that had so much to do with like the authority and it was it, it was kind of a, it's it I don't want to say it was a cheap way to make someone a heel. It, it was effective, but his babyface runs always failed. And that that's not necessarily his fault, but they they were massive failures. But this Monday my, Monday night Messiah character is working. Like it's really really good and I thought the match that Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins had last night were fantastic. I'm not sure what the handshake was at the end. I was expecting it to, to lead to something and maybe it will tonight on raw, but it, I don't know that, that, that was weird. It was kind of out of place. I didn't, I don't know what that was for, but maybe again, maybe it leads to something. You let the story play out, Uh, but the match by itself was awesome. Um, I thought something was up with the Bray Wyatt, uh, Braun Strowman thing. When, when Bray Wyatt was not the fiend, I thought, okay, well, it's, you know, the the show wasn't taped. To the best of my knowledge, that show was live, with the exception, obviously, of the Money in the Bank matches. But I thought, okay, maybe they edit something in here, like maybe like we get like a mid match transformation from Bray Wyatt into the Fiend. But their way of, I don't like the idea that Bray Wyatt. I thought they told a good story, and I thought the match was fine. Like the story of the match was really good with Braun and the Black Mask. Like I thought it worked. But I don't like the idea that Bray Wyatt is beatable, and the Fiend is not, even unless you're Goldberg, of course. If you're Goldberg, you can beat the Fiend. But other than that, I don't really like that idea. And they, 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 you know, they did a great tease for the Fiend there at the end, so it doesn't appear that this issue between Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt is is over just yet. So, good tease, like good build, good storytelling here. There's more to come. Uh, I just I when Bray Wyatt came out to wrestle in a sweater I thought uh oh, okay I think I think something's going to happen here. And it, I mean it didn't but I th- I thought it was good. Uh the money in the bank match was you know p- people are going to have their feelings about it. It amused the hell out of me. There are points where I kind of missed what was going on because I had the match on the iPad and I was watching The Last Dance. And I you know The Last Dance the 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 money in the bank match was happening at the same time that Jordan's dad was being covered so it, it was tough to like really lock in on what was going on in that match though I thought I paid pretty good attention to it I thought the spot in Vince McMahon's office was funny I thought the random appearances by like brother love and um I think Stephanie McMahon was in it you know there were a handful of like characters in it that I thought worked Vince McMahon you know putting all the Purell on was yeah I was like all right We get it. Like, what was it? There was like a giant, like a dinosaur uh, bones in that office. It's like, good. I don't know about Otis winning. I had mentioned that WrestleMania was the first time that I had really seen the Otis character. For a guy who has, like, a chance to win the WWF championship, or excuse me, the WWE championship, uh... That's not what, Otis doesn't do that for me. Uh, I thought the AJ stuff with The Undertaker was freaking great. Uh, overall, I, th- I thought it was good. Um, telling the two stories at the same time, the two matches at the same time with, you know, Asuka winning the women's money in the bank. I thought, yeah, I was like, okay, good. AJ gets beat in the boneyard. He gets the money in the bank ma- uh, briefcase here. It leads to his new year. He drops the briefcase or briefcase gets knocked out of his hands or whatever. And it winds up in Otis's hands and it's like, oh, okay. Eh. And did they, th- was the idea that they threw Ray Mysterio off the top of Titan towers? And I, th- I think Aleister Black was the other one. Was that the idea that they just threw him off a high rise building just outside New York? Yeah. A little campy, but fun. Like it, I, I thought it was fun. I'll probably, we rewatch that money in the bank match. Uh, today to pay a little bit more c- close attention to it. That match was actually filmed about four weeks ago, uh, so they've had this they've had this in the can uh, for quite a while. It was filmed four weeks ago. Which look, if you've been paying attention to what's going on on the East Coast, you you probably knew that right away because it's it's been snowing out there uh, quite a bit. So um, hey, kudos to them for uh, doing the best that they can in terms of they've they've been dealt a tough hand in terms of being able to not being able to perform in front of crowds, which is such a massive part of their presentation to working with these cinematic types of approaches to their matches that uh, Matt Hardy made popular uh, in other companies. So, okay, now we're done. Thank you so much for tuning in. Subscribe, rate, and review. Do all of that fun stuff. Share on social media. And we will see you here tomorrow on the podcast with Damian Barling.